I'm pretty excited about uh, September 9th with you. If you'll give me a morning, we'll build on what we uh, have given you previously. And everybody will get two pieces of uh, equipment. Uh, a ministry is relationships. We're talking about disciple-making friendships and how they work. So you'll get a training manual, and you'll get 25 one-another verses. There's over 40 in the Bible. But 25 one-another verses that will help you with your family, your friends, your small group, your neighborhood group. Uh, in fact, we got to get home uh, right after this to be with our neighborhood group. And, uh, and so it, we use our one another's in all those areas. I'd love for you to join us. It'll be so much fun. I guarantee you it'll be fun, it'll be biblical, and it may even be just a, like a slightly crazy interesting. So I want to just tease you with that. Hope to see you on then, uh, September 9th, in the morning. A missionary, uh, a, a, new, a newbie, uh, all excited about taking the gospel to a place where it never heard the gospel. There are places like that uh, to this day. Uh, and he wanted that particular tribe to know about Jesus. And he was really excited about it. Went through all the training. And, and uh, here he was. He, was. he had his machete. And he was making his way through the jungle. And he was, you know, trying to head toward the, to where the tribe was. And, uh, and at some point, he felt like somebody was watching him. You know, and he, he didn't know what it was, but sure enough, there was something watching him. It was a big old lion, and he hadn't seen a tasty meal like a missionary in a long time. I don't know if you have kids, but I have kids, and we've watched a lot of Discovery Channel. And uh, what lions will do is they'll, they'll lay down in a tall grass and wait for something to go by. And uh, this, this old boy didn't really understand that, uh, and he started to walk, and all of a sudden, he heard a rustle in the tall grass, and sure enough, a great big lion was in midair ready to pounce on him. He did what I think every true, true man of God would do. That is, run for his ever-loving life, screaming like a 13-year-old girl. And as he ran, he was thinking to himself, oh, my goodness, I can parse Hebrew and Greek, but I don't know how to handle a lion. And uh, he's running, and he's thinking, I'm never going to outlast this lion. This lion's right on him. And so the only thing he could think of to do was to play dead. So he just laid down flat right on the ground. And that lion just started to size him up, just, just the, his whole body, from head to toe, just sizing him up. And he's like, oh, my goodness, I am going to be a meal for this lion. But right then and there is theological, all that stuff that he learned in school, Boom, he decided he was going to give it a prayer. And this is what the old boy prayed. Heavenly Father, please let this be a Christian lion. <laughs> because a Christian lion wouldn't eat a missionary. And it was about that time he heard the lion pray, Heavenly Father, thank you for this food I'm about to receive. <laughs> now I tell you that story, which is not true, just in case you're wondering. I tell you that story because it depends on what your perspective is. is the, it, you know, there's a lion perspective, and there's the missionary perspective, right? Think with me for a moment. In this country, people are getting up and going to church or not, right? I mean, that's kind of what's happening, right? And there's less and less people going to church. And uh, it, if that wasn't bad enough, sometimes people go to church where they don't ever even open up this book, it's possible to be religious and miss God. How can we know, this is the question that I want to explore with you today, how can you and I know 
that we're experiencing God rather than just being churchy? How can we know that we have an encounter with the God of the Bible rather than just being religious? Friends, that's what I want to explore with you today because the last thing I want ever to do when I'm with you, and I know your pastor and your church feels this way too, we're not into church, we're into Jesus. We're into encountering God who is in, on the move doing his thing. So how can we know? What are the telltale signs that you're not just being churchy or religious, but that you're actually following Jesus and having an encounter with the God of the Bible? Open up your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Here's what it says in Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. This is what he says. He says, I, I, I had an encounter with God. I saw the Lord on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling one to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs, the angels, flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and he said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. Then I heard a voice saying, Lord, voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. How can we tell if we're going through religious motion or encountering God. Well, the first way you can tell that you're no longer just churchy when you have an, a personal encounter with God through the Bible and the Holy Spirit, you will most certainly go, wow. God, by definition, is wow. Hey, do me a favor. I know you're not Pentecostal, but put your hand in the air and just go like this. Go, wow. Say it with me loud. Wow, say it with me backward. <laughs> Stay alert. Yeah, wow. By definition, God is wow. He blows our minds. Look at what he says. In the year, Isaiah says, in the year King Uzziah died. I love that because, you know what? He's saying, I've, I've been a religious Jew since I was born, Isaiah, right? But he said, Something happened in this particular year that made something different. God became real to me. He became wow to me. I mean, I knew all about God, but I didn't know God. And he says, listen, I saw the Lord. The year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. You know what it reminds me of? When I was 15 years old, I received Jesus. I heard the gospel from my mom, who was a bartender at the time, and she received Christ as her Savior from another bartending friend. This is how it works. Because it's not, the, it's not the method or the person, it's the gospel that does the work. But it comes on broken people like us, right? And that message got to me, and I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I can tell you right now, I'm not 15 anymore. Those days are long gone. 
but I'm still 15 in my heart in some weird way because at 15, God showed up in my life, and it has totally made me move in a different way than the rest of my family. It was God Almighty. It marks time. When you, it's wow. God shows up. It's not just like, oh. It's like, whoa, man, that's amazing. Look what happened. I just encountered God. And he says, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Now, we can get all philosophical if you want. You know, can anybody see God and live? You know, I don't know. But So it's interesting, the word Lord isn't Yahweh, which is used all throughout the whole, it's who God is personal, it's the way he identifies his personal name. This is uh, Adonai. This is Master, Lord. It, it's a title, not God's personal name. God says, he says, I saw God, and he was on a throne. Friends, who sits on thrones? Kings. And I want to say something in all due respect. All the human kings, meh, not, I mean, they don't really do much, right? This is the king of all kings, and he's seated on a throne. He's high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. All God's people said, no, it's not amen now for the sermon. It's wow, right? Say, wow. Here's this train. Now, I don't know how the weddings work in this particular church, but this is perfect right here. You know, you got all the, all the bridesmaids over here, and you, they all come walking down, and the guy's over here, and, and the woman comes down, right? And she's wearing this beautiful white dress. I have seven kids, six of whom are daughters. When I see a white dress that expensive, I go into shock. It is not fun, right? Most of them aren't married yet, thank God. Uh, I hope that they're saving money because they're going to need it. And so check this out, right? They come down from this, from this center aisle here, and what happens? The pastor does all the stuff that we need to do because it's a promise to God on behalf of the other person. And when they do that, it's before God. It's really holy matrimony. But we got to get her out. And you've seen all this, right? Because she's got that flowing gown. So sometimes the bride, the, the maid, what do you call it? The bridesmaid, the maid of honor, she'll just come over and everybody's holding flowers and she'll grab the train on the robe of her gown. And it's a real long, white, expensive train. And they grab that and they got to get her out of here. So to get, you know, they do this whole thing. You don't want to step on the gown. It's, you know, it's, it's majestic, right? It's this other thing. And she walks out. Uh, with her husband, and she walks out in that beautiful gown, goes out there. What, well, what's the whole point of that, right? Why does God's, look at, why does the train on his robe, verse 1, fill the temple? In other words, his robe, the train of his robe, is so long, it fills the temple. Because, yeah, it's, it's, it is wow. And it, it, we're impressed with, a, you know, a beautiful uh, bride in her beautiful dress and the long train. But check this out. This is so crazy. The longer the gown, the, lo the longer the train on a robe, the more majestic and beautiful the bride. But guess what? God's got the longest train. And he, therefore, is the most beautiful, most majestic king who ever lived. And all God's people said... Wow, that's what happens when you get into the presence of God. You go, wow, well, that's not enough. Above him, while he was sitting on that throne with his train filling the temple, 
Above him were seraphs. It's interesting. We know of at least two classes of angels, seraphim and cherubim. Seraphs in the Greek, excuse me, in the Hebrew literally means to burn. I like this. They're on fire. Have you ever heard somebody say, he or she is on fire? Well, it seems to be those who are close to God are on fire for the Lord. They do have this great passion for God. And it's interesting, seraphs to burn, these angels, another class of angels, and they don't have two wings. Check it out. They each had six wings. Six wings. I've seen angels in the outfield, the movie, two wings. If you look at a lot of pictures, it's two wings in, in art. This is six wings. With two, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying, and here's why they had six wings. They were saying one to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Say that with me. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Then it says, the whole earth is full of his glory. There's only one thing to say about that. Wow. God is so amazing. Whenever you read repetition, it's not because like, we got to write a really long book here. No. When God says he's holy, he's holy. When he says he's holy, holy, that's huge. When he says holy, 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 he's trying to make a point. There is no one like God. I think the difference between religion and having a relationship with God is religion is pretty boring. The reason people don't go to church is because if you don't know God, it is kind of boring. We sing a lot of funny songs. I'm not sure we know what to do with, you know what I'm saying? But if you love God, you want to sing. You want to worship. You want to be with God's people. So often we're like doing this to people, put an arm. You're going to church with me. I mean, I'm not against that. I've seen God use that. But one of the reasons I want to go to church is because I love God. And who he is, and he's wow, and I love God's people. But I don't have that on my own. I had to meet God to get that. Friends, when's the last time in your relationship with Jesus you had a little wow moment? I love the moment you just shared about somebody in your church here, right? Look at what God's doing. God, you ever, listen, when I, if I'm, if you, if I'm sick or in the hospital, I want everybody to pray for a miracle. You don't pray the Lord's will. I already believe the Lord's will is going to be done. I just don't know what it is. So I'm calling all my Pentecostal friends to come and get me and pray for me. Because they pray. You know what they believe? They believe God is, wow, he can do anything. Friends, when's the last time you went, wow? You know what religion is? <sighs> wow. I'm not saying it's a big entertainment thing. What I'm saying is, God changes your heart so much that you want to be around God and wherever you see him at work. It is amazing. One of the ways you can tell that you're religious, you're bored. You know what they say about men and women in the church? Men are bored, women are tired. That's what they say. Friends, all ye bored, all ye tired, come to the God of the Bible not only will he refresh you, you will experience him. And when you experience God, you will go, say it with me, wow. But not only will you go, wow, guess what else you'll do? Point to yourself, whoa. Do this one with me, wow, 
whoa. Turns out, look what happens. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost, he's just filled with smoke. Wow. The next thing Isaiah says is, woe to me. I cried, I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Friends, in our relationship with each other, we're always checking, hey, how you doing? What's going on? I'm doing great. I'm doing fine. I'm doing da 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 You know what's interesting? The moment Isaiah gets into the presence of God, he's blown away with who God is, theology, but he's also blown away by how bad he is. I want you to hear this. Because sometimes many of us think we're doing pretty doggone good. And then once you get close to God, if you, in, in religion, you can pretend to be good all the time. You can, you can be very religious and feel like everything's good. One of the hallmarks of a real relationship with God, according to the Bible, is you will see who God is and he's amazing. And that you'll never exhaust that. You have more to learn. But secondly you will see sin in your life. When you encounter God, when you encounter the Holy Scriptures, it convicts us of the sin in our life. This is what happened to Isaiah. He's like, wow, God, you are amazing. And then his next thought was, I'm in trouble. I'm in big trouble. So, you know, I always worry about the Christians who, how you doing? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm always happy. Really? Always happy? I don't think any of us are always happy. But we pretend. So often we pretend. One of the ways, now this might be like a weird way to encourage you. If you've been, if you're a person who like, you're struggling with sin, who isn't? And you see that sin in your life, and it's so clear, and you're in this, this thing of repentance, confession and repentance. Can I tell you something? I think that's probably a good sign. I think some of you are misinterpreting, like, if, God, if I really was close to God, everything would be happy. No, when you get close to God, you see sin in your life. So for those of you who are struggling with sin and you're painfully aware of it, can I, and you keep confessing and repenting, confess, the only way back to God is confession and repenting. He's made the road clear, but we keep stumbling over our own silliness and our sin. So I want to encourage you. Some of you are like, I am so tired in this fight. Yes, Yes, this is what it looks like. And that's why we need each other to walk together. It's okay to be painfully aware. It doesn't mean you're bad. What it means is God is at work in your life. You will go, whoa. Part of Christian culture today that is kind of weird to me, and it's prevalent. I call it happy, happy culture. How you doing? Praise the Lord. How about you? How are you doing? Da, 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 da. We know how to be happy together. That's good. But you know what we don't know how to do? We don't know how to go, whoa. Whoa. You know what woe is? Woe is an interjection of sorrow. Say it with me in Hebrew. It's oi. Say it with me. Oi. The next time you get your finger caught in a you know, door or whatever, you know, don't say ouch. Be Hebrew about it. Oh, you can hear him saying it, can't you? Oh, where are you, God? Right? It's this interjection of sorrow. And that's what woe is. Oh, Lord, I got a huge dose of you. And unfortunately, I got a huge dose of me. And I saw 
that I'm in trouble. Woe to me, he said, for I am a man of unclean. Notice how he calls it out. My mouth runs away from me. You know what's interesting to me? Um, I've been around the church since I was 15. Um, it seems like a lot of times we'll quit stealing when we come to Christ or, you know, we'll quit adultery or we'll quit, you know, what, you know all the murder or whatever, or, you know, whatever the big thing, stealing or whatever it might be. But you know what I've noticed on almost every church? There's always a group of people who would love to talk bad about everybody. You know, I would say gossip is a serious problem for God's churches because we love to chew on other people from other churches or just the word, you know, we hate, love to hate people or whatever. It's just weird what we do as Christians. And sometimes it, it's, it's one group within the church against another. Can I tell you something? Now, I want you to hear this. And I'm, I want you to, I'm, I want to make you think for a moment. If you can sit with some of your friends and totally talk bad about other people and it never comes to your head or heart that that is displeasing to God, you're probably religious. You're probably churchy, but you have not encountered the God of the Bible because the God of the Bible is coming after the way you talk. He's coming after your heart. He wants to deal with sin in your life. He, you know, people say, you know, God loves me just the way I am. That is true, but he loves you too much to leave you where you are. Did you hear what I said? He loves you too much to leave you where you are, so he's going to come after you. He's going to come after various sins that you are holding on to, pride, lust, whatever, whatever the thing you have, he's going to come at it because he's God, you're not, and you will go, wow, he's amazing, and you will go, woe. The largest, the woe is blues. There's a whole book called Lamentations. I love Job. There's 38 chapters uh, where there, it's more than that, but there's 38 chapters of they don't know what's happened to him. What, what happened? Poor Job, right? We know because the Bible tells us, but those friends didn't know. Woe is the largest swath of psalms, all, lam, all laments, lamentations. They're blues. Blues is a biblical form of, of lamenting. But we don't know how to do it together. We don't know how to be sad together. I want to encourage you. Are you ready for this? I'm going to say something crazy, but I want to make you think. You can worship God through sadness. You got something that's sad about your life? We do. We do. A couple things. Really makes us sad. Can I tell you something? I have a sadness that does not lead me to despair. Did you hear what I said? I'm not despairing. I'm just sad about it. I wish things were different. And I can now sit in that sadness and go, God, I wish you would change this, but... Even if you don't, you are God, and I am not. That's what it means to worship through sad. So I'm all about being happy together. I also want to encourage you to not be afraid to be sad together. That's what I see here. Woe to me, he cried. So what do we learn? How can you tell if you're experiencing God or just playing church? Well, you will definitely go, wow. Say, oh, you guys left me out to dry. Say it. Say, wow. And then you will also see sin in your life. I guarantee you, that's what God does. He loves us too much to leave us alone, right? He's going to keep working. We will definitely go, whoa, oi, oi. But what happens in this, in this passage right here? Look what he says. For, woe to me, why? For 
I am a man of unclean lips. You know what that's called? Confession. When you say, God, I did this, or I thought that, and this is what my, my sin is, that's confession. It's interesting. In the Greek, in 1 John 1.9, 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The word confession there, if we confess our sin, means to agree with God. By the way, if you think, well, God says this, but I think this is what the right thing is, you lose because God is the one that gets to determine what's right and wrong. we got a whole culture that's telling God, we're going to tell you what's right and wrong. doesn't work that way. He's the king. He sits on the throne. And so this is, the, this is so key because we want to try to change God. But because Isaiah says, I am in big trouble because of my mouth, you know what it does? That confession ignites activity in heaven. Look what it says. Then, verse 6, then. It was only after the confession. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. I need to tell you what this is. In the book of Revelation, there's this altar pictured many times in the book of Revelation. And, of course, this goes back to the old temple system as well, where these coals would be burning things, and then it was, it was so hot, the fire was so hot. So the angel, here's Isaiah's confession. He says, I'm a, my mouth runs away. I'm in big trouble because I talk too much, he said, or whatever, talk in different ways that aren't glorifying God. The angel flies over to, the, to where the coals are with tongs, grabs that, and then this is what he does. He flies over to Isaiah, and he says, he touched my mouth, and the angel said, see, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. That was kind of like an image of which what was happening to Isaiah. Because of his confession, God forgave him. So, wow, whoa, now I need you to do this with me. Do it with me. Wow. What'd you learn today at church? Wow. Whoa. Now do this. What? Make a cross. Say, what? You know why I say that? Because I can't believe how good God is. If we confess our sin, he not only forgives us, but look what it says. Look at this Old Testament passage, verse uh, 7. With it, it touched my mouth, and he said, see, this has touched your lips. Underline this in your Bible. Your guilt is taken away. And, check this out, your sin is forgiven. Friends, the news, communion, what we just did, is a celebration of a God who not only forgives us. Isn't that great? Can we just say, yay, God. Thank you for giving us, right? Not only does God forgive us, but check this out. He, he takes away the guilt. Do you know what religion is really great at? Guilt. Religious people are always guilting others. Jesus is, and, and God and the Bible, none of them are about guilt. In fact, the moment you confess, not only is your sin forgiven, your guilt is taken away. Now look at me. I want you, I know it's scary. I'm 60, I heard losing all my hair. Here we go. You just look at me. I want to frighten you for a moment. I guarantee you in a room this big, some of you are still carrying the guilt of when you were a teenager. When you knew you shouldn't do something, and you did it anyway. 
That's the story of almost all of us. And I want to tell you something. Religion will guilt you forever. Jesus, I stand here today not because I don't have issues. Holy cow. I want you to hear that. I've got a past. But I need to tell you something. I believe with all my heart the blood of Jesus Christ has not only forgiven me, it has taken away my guilt. Romans 8.1. If anyone is in Christ, the day you come to Christ, if anyone is in Christ, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. I want you to hear this, friends. Some of you need this word because you have felt so much guilt from your life, even as a Christian or before a Christian. I want to tell you something. Did you confess your sins? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And he cleanses us all from that unrighteousness. Friends, it's great to be a follower of Jesus. It's great to know Jesus. It's great to accept Christ as your Savior. This is the only reason I can even stand in front of you today. It's because I have been forgiven and the guilt no longer is a factor because I believe what God said he did. And it's right there in the Old Testament as well. You see it. That's why I say this. I say, it's this. It's what? It's too good to believe, but it's true. Can God not only forgive me and take away my guilt? All ye guilty people, run to Jesus. Because that's what the verse says. It says, your sin is not only forgiven, he will take the guilt away. You can walk out of this building today without any of that guilt or weight on your soul because you said, God, only the blood of Jesus can take care of this, and I receive that. This is what the world needs more than anything. Well, not only will you go, wow, say it with me. You can tell if you're religion, you won't do any of this. But if you have a real relationship with God, you'll go, wow, whoa, what? Oh, and then we're down to the last part. What happens when someone sees who God is? and is blown away by how great he is, and then they see how blown away they are about their sin, that's a good sign, not a bad sign, when you see sin in your life. That means God's at work in your life, dealing with you. But when you confess, guess what happens? God takes the guilt away, and you are forgiven. And then look at what happens. Verse 8, then, another then, it's sequential. I wonder, he says, then I heard the voice of the Lord. Could it be possible that when he was in sin, the Lord was speaking, but because of sin, he couldn't hear God. It's interesting. In verse 8, it says, then, after you see who God is, you see how sinful you are, and then once you are cleansed by the blood of Jesus, guess what? You can hear the Lord speaking. That's what the Spirit of God does. This is what the Word of God does. It is the Word to us. He's speaking to us. Some of you are like, I'm trying to read my Bible, and I'm, you know, I'm not getting much out of it. Well, maybe you need to confess and repent. Maybe you need to receive Christ as your Savior. Look what it says, verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord. Here's what God was saying. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? God says, the world needs me. Who will go out there and live as this redeemed person? We're not perfect, but we're redeemed and forgiven by a great king. And because of that, we got to live on mission. Look what he says. Then I heard a voice saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And then Isaiah immediately says, 
here am I, send me. Friends, this is what I imagine. Isaiah's like, pick me, pick me, I want to go, I want to do it, I'll do it, why? Friends, there are very few Christians like that. Lord, whatever you want to do with me, I want to do it right here, help me with God, let's start right here. No, I bet at VBS, everybody walks out of here without even talking to whoever's in charge of VBS. We can't even get VBS people, right? I mean, think with me for a moment. Have we lost the whole point of being forgiven, which means to help other people? Who will God send? Some of you have the wrong idea. You think, well, we got three or four or five pastors here. They ought to be doing it. I think they are because I know them. I think they live this way. But what if all of us live this way? What if all of us said, God's amazing. I'm not. He again has forgiven me and set me free, and I'm... I have a joy now because I am forgiven. There's only one thing left to do. I want to spend the rest of my life helping people find and follow Jesus, starting where I live, work, play, and church. This isn't on them. It's on all of us. And the fact that we don't hardly even care about our neighbors or about our friends, friends, is an indication that we might be religious. Because when you are forgiven, you want to tell other people about it. Boy, I told you about my mom. She was a bartender. When, and my mom put all of her effort into being crazy because that's how our family rolls. But once my mom was forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ and the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, when my mom received that, I want to tell you something. She took all that energy that she used to do in partying, and she totally threw it into Jesus. She died about three years ago. But the, one of the last phone calls I ever had with her went like this. I'm driving down the road. I get this prompting, and I'm like, I should check in with my mom. So I called her. I go, hey, mom, it's your son. She goes, I can't talk to you right now. Now, this is like the latter part of her life. I go, well, I am your son. I mean, I was like a little, little miffed about it, right? I'm your son. I was just reaching out to you. She goes, I will call you back. Right now, I have a friend on the porch, and I'm sharing Jesus with her. You win, mom. She stayed on mission. She never graduated from high school, but she knew enough about Jesus to live on mission. Friends, I want to leave you with a prayer. The last time I was here, I shared it with you. Feel free to take a picture of it. This prayer reminds me that God saves us, not so we can just, you know, happy, happy, happy with a bunch of Christians, which I enjoy, but it's this idea of following Jesus and helping people find Jesus. I want you to stand up right now, and I want you to pray this with me. And again, if you want to take a picture of that, you can. You're free to do that. Um, I want to leave us with, ooh, here am I, Lord. Send me. If you would like to learn more about all of this, September 9th in the morning, I'd love to have you. Pray this with me, will you? Pray it out loud. Come on. Nice and loud. Ready? Heavenly Father, thank you for giving me a disciple-making way of life in Christ Jesus. As I go through every part of this day, help me to love you and love the people who cross my path, starting with my family. Don't let me miss the adventures you are sending my way to live and speak the good news about Jesus today. Draw my heart to you and to specific people you want me to pull close for Jesus-like disciple-making friendships. 
by your word and spirit, transform me into a follower of Jesus who loves you, loves people, and makes disciples, who makes more disciples. Ad infinitum, in Jesus' name, amen.